Before we get started, just a reminder that you can listen to both of our weekly Monday and Wednesday episodes of the Tom and Hawk Football Show on Amazon Music and Alexa for free. Just ask Alexa to play the Tom and Hawk Football Show to listen directly through your Echo device. Welcome to the Tom and Hawk Football Show. I'm Andrew Hawkins. And I'm Joe Thomas. And coming up on today's show, we look ahead at playoff bound teams and the best of their quarterbacks. Him playing bad, he's still a top five quarterback in the NFL. A look at some of next week's matchups. It's kind of like two teams looking in the mirror. And a very special guest joins us here on the Tom and Hawk Football Show. You started me off with an easy one. I would say no to that one. About it? I would say no, that's not a good idea. Um, Ooh. All of that and much, much more coming up on another award-winning episode of the Tom and Hawk Football Show. Let's get to it. All right, first up, let's talk Kyler Murray. He struggled most of the night against the Los Angeles Rams, while on the other side, Matt Stafford and the Rams were clicking on all cylinders. Murray threw two picks against the defense that did not have Jalen Ramsey, right? They were missing one of their core, core pieces of their team, and Murray did not look great. Joe, are you concerned with Kyler Murray, or do you think that he indeed has what it takes for a run at the Super Bowl? Yeah, it was interesting. Uh, Tyler Higbee, Jalen Ramsey, the Rams found out just a few hours before kickoff mm -hmm. that they weren't going to be with those guys. Uh, and that really changes your game plan quite quickly because obviously they've been practicing most most of the week, uh, expecting those guys to play. They had a game plan in, involved with those right. guys. And so when you lose those guys, you really have to go to plan like Z. Because plan, Z. plan B is like, all right, you know, we got uh, the next guy up and we're going to practice and we're going to shift the resources around a little bit to try to cover up for those guys that aren't used to playing. But when you don't have time to do that, you're really just spitballing. And the Rams were really impressive in their ability to kind of uh, be able to overcome some of those issues. They were missing six starters, not just Higby and Ramsey. Um, but I think that speaks to the level of preparation that Sean McVay prepares them for all situations. A little bit like Bill Belichick, right? You always talk about the Patriots teams and how they're ready for anything that gets thrown at them. Any situation that's crazy at the end of the game, they've already practiced. Well, I think Sean McVay is cut from the same cloth, and I think you saw that last night with how well those Rams were able to play, starting with Matt Stafford, in a situation where things changed on a dime at the last second. Yeah. All right. So I don't know if I... I feel like we as a as a football community, for whatever reason, we have a love fest with Sean McVay. And I like Sean. I think Sean is brilliant. I think he's smart. I think he's a great young coach. They look great. But, like, where is that when he plays Kyle Shanahan? Why does Kyle Shanahan take his lunch money Ooh. every time they play? I think there's, like, I don't know. And, and then in the first game against the Cardinals, they got their asses kicked, you know? So, Sean, for sure, he he is one of the best game planners. One of, His recall is ridiculous. I think a little bit of it might have been that those players have kind of had that game circled for weeks since the first loss that kind of began the little bit of the unraveling of the Rams that we thought they were at the beginning of the season. And I think when you watch Stafford hit dimes down the field and he was he was throwing dimes and then celebrating afterwards, I thought that was a weird thing. I wasn't used to seeing mm. Stafford get a little, you know, I was excited. It was exciting. It's the biggest game of his career. He, he's he's never won a playoff game. I think, what has he played in, like, three playoffs or something like that? But there was never a bigger game in Stafford's career than going into Arizona in a game where you had to win or basically you had no chance to win the division. I mean, they're still probably going to get into the playoffs, obviously, 
even if they lose last night. But if they lose, like all of a sudden now your season changes and the outlook the rest of the regular season is completely different. Mm -hmm. And they were able to go in there and win in convincing fashion with Stafford, with that offense. And up until this point, I think there was a lot of people talking about Matt Stafford, maybe with a little bit of buyer's remorse yeah, because he started the season pretty well. And then he had a little bit of a lull. They were talking about this back injury that could be really bad. Um, and then I think when everyone really wanted to jump on that bandwagon, that doubters bandwagon, that hater wagon, <laughs> Matt Stafford was like, oh, no, no, no. Let me show you that I can still be one of those Hall of Fame type quarterbacks in the NFL. And the Rams were correct in bringing me here because we can win a Super Bowl this season. It, it was definitely a, you know, a good reminder to everybody watching, especially in the prime time. So, all right, before we go to the next topic, who would you rather have down down the stretch, Murray or Stafford? Like this season down the stretch or for the rest of their... Yeah, for the Super Bowl run. So I'm going to go with Matt Stafford, right? And to kind of really? back up to your question that you asked before. Yeah, and this has changed after watching the game last night, right? Because I've been such a big Kyler Murray fan all season. He was my MVP. But watching Kyler Murray in that huge game for them, and, and the pressure was obviously a little bit more on the Rams, but everybody that watched that, because it is the only game on TV that night, I think there's a little bit more pressure when you play Monday Night Football, and I know that you've played a lot of those big Monday Night games, and you just feel it as a player because you go through all Saturday, all Sunday watching all the other games and kind of thinking about your game, and the pressure sort of builds because the day before a game as a player, you don't really have a whole lot going on. You've got walkthroughs and meetings and travel sometimes, but for the most part, you're kind of just focusing on watching the other games. And it's always in the back of your mind if you're going to play in a big game like this on a Monday night that, okay, everybody that played yesterday that kind of sorted themselves out where they were in the division is going to be watching us tomorrow night. And I think the gravity of the game starts to creep into your head a little bit on Monday night. And so by the time game time shows up it's almost like a playoff type pressure atmosphere and we saw what happens when matt stafford's under the pressure and we saw when kyler murray was under the pressure and i'm not saying that kyler played poorly but my whole point of saying all that is i trust matt stafford more in the playoffs this season than i do kyler murray because of his experience in the nfl um but also in the playoffs and in big pressure packed situations kyler murray is a little bit like that kid and let me give you a quick story he, he's a kid because he's young and he's inexperienced and sometimes their curiosity and their lack of knowing what happens when they do dumb stuff leads them to do dumb stuff my nephew uh he i got a video from my uh sister i'm laughing because i understand that analogy yeah. So I got a, a message, <laughs> a, a video message from my sister-in-law this week, and it was a video, and it was my nephew who was explaining what he just did, right? So he had gone to the bathroom, number two, and uh -huh. usually, you know, I think we all eight, do it. As a, as a young kid, you know, if you clog the toilet, you call mom and dad, mom, dad, help me, right? And mom and dad's got to yeah. run in there and like take care of the problem. You're like, all right, I got to get the plunger, blah, blah, blah. Well, this kid, uh, God bless his soul, he oh, no. felt that. He oh, wanted no. to take things, you know, uh, under his own a, grasp uh, okay. and take care of the problem because he's becoming a man and he wanted to do it himself. So he decided, you know, and instead of calling mom and dad, I'm going to uh, unclog the toilet myself. So he takes the brush, not the plunger, mind you, the toilet brush that's for cleaning <laughs> the toilet next to it and sticks it in there and like swirls it around. Better than a hairbrush. And yeah, it wasn't an airbrush. Um, and then, <laughs> you know, unclogs it. But 
doesn't realize that there's like now a big mess on the brush and just sticks the brush um, back in the uh, brush Ooh, holder. Yeah. That's next to the and then after he does okay. that, he realizes, oh man, there's a big mess. I need to wash this brush that I think is a plunger. So then he takes it over to the sink Ooh. and he washes oh, it in the sink. Oh, right? Gosh. Okay. And then sick. he puts it back in the toilet brush <laughs> holder. <laughs> so, the toilet. Okay. so this, this should have had viewer discretion uh, before we yeah. went down this story. But so his inexperience let him decide that the best outcome for unclogging a toilet is to use a toilet brush and then to wash it off in the sink right next to mom and dad's uh, toothbrushes. I don't think Kyler Murray is going to do that. Okay. However, <laughs> the, the thing that I wanted to ask my nephew in that video is, how could you be so stupid? How could you not know that that was the wrong decision to make in that situation? But inexperience and a little bit of curiosity in the bad way can lead you to do dumb things. And that's what we see from young players in the NFL. That's what we see from rookies all the time. And coaches and veteran players want to stand up there in front of them and go, how could you be so stupid? And as a young player, I remember sitting in that seat and thinking to myself, like, well, I didn't know any better. I was curious. I was wondering what was going to happen. I thought the outcome was going to be good. However, I wasn't exactly sure how things were going to unfold, but I still wanted to take care of it myself. And that's what I see in Kyler Murray sometimes. That's what I saw with him in this big moment. There's big pressure. There's a lot riding on it. And so he's taking risks that maybe he shouldn't, and he is paying for them, right? As great as he was last night, the mistakes, the turnovers that he made, and the bad decisions that he made throwing the football led to the loss because the Rams were able to capitalize in the two turnovers and the Cardinals lost momentum in that game because of the fourth down stops that they were uh, unable to make. And I think that's just what you get with inexperience. So I'm going to go with an experienced quarterback in the playoffs over a guy who hasn't been there and hasn't dealt with those pressure pack situations. All right. Couple of things. First off, God bless your nephew, man. He's a he's a damn go getter. That's number one. Number number two. You can't really say Stafford has experience. Yes, he's played in the league. That's like my number one pet peeve. People who are just do things for a long time, acting like they're experts. And that's not a Matt Stafford dig. This is just generally in life. Like, mm. oh, I've worked this thing for thirty years. Yes, there's a good amount of knowledge and experience that comes with that. Mm -hmm. But you can't make it seem like you're the quote unquote best at doing something just because you've done something. Yes, Matt Stafford is a good quarterback. Expert in the playoffs, I'm going to call you there because he played for the Lions and did not have a lot of playoff success, if any, at all. So that's number one. Number two, I would rather take your nephew over the kid that every time something goes bad, <laughs> he calls Uncle Joe or Mommy and has to rely on Sean McVay to come up with this perfect game plan and go mm. sign the best defensive players in the history of the game so that you can mitigate mm. my scared ass from trying to figure it out. I want your nephew as my quarterback, a.k.a. <laughs> Kyler Murray, who says, you know what? Shit's hitting the fan mm. right now, sometimes literally. I'm, gonna, I'm a man now. I'm eight. I like that. I got to make my own way in this house. I can't run to mommy to dig everything out. She has things to do. She's out there taking care of kids. Dad's making the bacon. I got to get this number two logged out of this toilet. I'm going to do it the best way I know how. And that's what Kyler Murray does. He puts the, the onus on himself. He puts the game on his shoulders. He has the mm. ability to change a game one way or the other 
without running to Mommy McVeigh to figure it out through game plan. I love the fact that you simultaneously in the first 10 minutes of the show have slammed Sean McVeigh as not being a genius, <laughs> but then used Sean McVeigh's genius against Matt Stafford's ability to win that game last night by himself. So congratulations Thank on you. talking out of both sides of your mouth so fervently in the first 10 minutes. Uh, but I love Kyler Murray. I'm with you on that. However, there is some things to be said about experience in the playoffs and just learning things by doing it on the job for a long period of time. And the, your question was not, is Matt Stafford the quarterback you would trust the most in the NFL playoffs? Of course it's not. It was over Kyler Murray. But it was over Kyler Murray. And I'm saying the experience that he showed in the big moment. I say no. Makes me trust him more than Kyler Murray. And now because of Kyler's inexperience and the way he struggled a little bit at times makes me believe that now the Packers are the best team in the NFL, moving the Cardinals out of that position that I'd had them. To what, number two? Now they're number two. They're still number one in the division. They, they are still number one in the division. However, they're not my favorite to win the Super Bowl. It's now the Packers. That was a pressure moment for one quarterback in that game, and that was Matt Stafford. Kyler Murray's season and their uh, situation did not change. All right, fair enough. All right, moving on. Cowboys won against the Washington football team, mostly with their D. Dak played okay. Joe, top line, was Dak worth the price of admission for the Dallas Cowboys? He absolutely is worth his contract. However, he's dealing with that calf injury still. He just hasn't been the same player since he dinged up that calf, and he's been so much more cautious than we're used to seeing with him. Dak Prescott, for his entire career, has been laser-like accurate with his passes. His passing technique his mechanics have been on par with a tom brady he's absolutely flawless and robotic in the best sense of that word and you're just not seeing that right now and it's causing a little bit of inaccuracy he's missing on throws that he normally doesn't miss with and he's not willing to stand in there and take the hits that he normally is when he's in the pocket because he is thinking about that calf and i and Thankfully for him and for the Cowboys, that defense is playing lights out right now. Hopefully this defense will continue <laughs> to play well enough for Dak Prescott to get that calf healthy for the stretch run so that they can be Super Bowl contenders in the playoffs. Let's move on to their brownies. The Browns, they beat the banged up Ravens and it keeps them alive in the playoff hunt. Do you think Baker, though, is still the Cleveland Browns future at quarterback? Hmm. How far in the future are we talking? Are we talking like next year? So they'll definitely pick up his fifth-year option right. next season. But beyond mm -hmm. that, are they going to sign him to a long-term contract? You know what? I, I, this is not a good take. Um, we love those. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick one way or the other. Does he sign a long-term deal? I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say he does sign a long-term deal. I think the deal will be uh, team-friendly. I think it'll be a team-friendly deal that will be hard for his representation to go against. Um, depending on how he finishes this season, he's been banged up all year. That takes it into account. Next year, obviously, will be a huge year. But I think they sign a, a team-friendly deal probably this offseason. Um, that gives them an out at some point, just in case. I think Baker Mayfield is the, the best quarterback the Browns have had in a very, very long time as someone who you know was paid to catch passes from those quarterbacks. Um, I can speak from a, a point of expertise, as can you, as someone who was paid handsomely to protect really, really bad quarterbacks. Actually, I'd have to 
want to go back and say, if you were worth the price of admission, mm, <laughs> why why do we have such an expensive security system uh, for fake jewelry? Is the question I would ask the, That's a great, the people that's a of the Cleveland Browns. But yeah, I, I think he signs a team-friendly deal, and I think uh, he sticks around there for a long time because what you can't argue is success. And you could say the reasons why you had it, but you could also look at the years and years that you didn't have it and say, well, he's the best quarterback we've had in a long time. Mm. And even though he struggled recently, you know, this is these solid quarterbacks don't grow on trees. Absolutely. Especially the trees in Cleveland with his hard winters. There's just not that many great quarterbacks to go around. The Browns have had such a drought of good quarterback play. They finally have good quarterback play. And I don't think they let that walk out the door. I agree. All right. Last one. We got Chiefs destroying the Raiders this past week. Mahomes is starting to look a lot like Patrick Mahomes, Joe. Is he back? Is this the Patrick Mahomes we've been waiting for all season? Was it just a slump? Um, Should the rest of the league be on notice? This is the old Patrick Mahomes. And I think what you're seeing is Patrick Mahomes has been unlocked and unleashed because of how good that defense has been for the Chiefs. They've got Chris Jones moved inside. He is tearing things up from an interior defensive tackle position. The addition of Melvin Ingram on the outside is collapsing pockets, so they're putting a lot of pressure on the opposing team's quarterbacks. Tyron Matthew is sort of like that Swiss Army knife that can play any position uh, in the back end. And with as good as that defense is playing, it allows Patrick Mahomes to feel like he doesn't have to win the game on every throw. He doesn't have to be as much of a risk taker as Cavalier with the football. And what that's producing is a offense that's not turning the football over as much. And when you don't turn the football over as much, you win more games. It's allow Patrick to kind of revert to the mean for him, which is all pro type play. And that's why the Chiefs are the best team in the AFC right now is because Mm Mahomes is playing better. They're not turning the football over as much. And that defense is playing lights out. All right, so I, I agree with everything you're saying. I, I feel like we always get lulled to sleep by greatness. And I think when Patrick Mahomes, a little hint of him not looking like what we've seen, be backing like he's not the guy. Even in him playing bad, he's still a top five quarterback in the NFL. Top 10 at worst. But he's like his numbers also back that up. So I do think we get a little bored. Him playing well and putting it back together and being as efficient as he's been over the last couple of weeks is scary because he's getting hot. At the right time. All right, for this next one, it's kind of put a loop on this, Joe. I'm going to give you three matchups that we got coming up this week, and I want you to pick the one mm. that you're most excited about and talk about. It. These are quarterback matchups, right? We got number one, mm. uh, the Chiefs take on Justin Herbert. So we got Mahomes versus Herbert. Both of them cannon arms, probably two of the best, if not the best arm talents in the league. Number two, we got the Packers versus Ravens, Aaron Rodgers versus Lamar Jackson. Rodgers has a toe. Lamar has an ankle, two hobbled quarterbacks, but a big matchup for the week. Uh, and lastly, we got the Colts and the Patriots. We got Mac Jones versus Carson Wentz. Which matchup do you want to drill in on? Or are you most excited about watching? Yeah, well, it would be easy for me to say Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert because they're very easy answer. Two of the most exciting young quarterbacks in the NFL. It's Thursday night football. I'm going to be there in person watching it live. Yep. And I'm very excited about that. However, I'm actually going to pick the Patriots and the Colts. And for this reason, right? Because the Patriots, everyone is is kind of falling in love with them and their physical style of play and how they've been just kicking everybody's ass, especially from the defensive side of the football. But 
this is the first game that Patriots are going to play where they're going to play against a similarly physical team in the Indianapolis Colts. Jonathan Taylor in that running game is a downhill, physical, in-your-face rushing attack, just like the Patriots. The Colts' defense is a fundamentally sound 4-3 Matt Eberflus. We're going to be technique sound. We're going to be physical, but we're going to be tough. We're going to put a hat in every gap, and we're going to just be really, really difficult for you to find any windows in our zone defense on the back end. So it's kind of like two teams looking in the mirror. However, with the Colts, it's Carson Wentz, who's been playing really, really good football lately. And I'm really interested to see if Carson Wentz in a really big game is able to continue the uh, ascent that he's on right now, as far as like his overall respect as a mm -hmm. franchise quarterback in the NFL. And this very well could be the game where you see people jumping back on the Carson Wentz is a franchise quarterback bus, because at some point during the season earlier on, people were saying, Hey, they should bench Carson Wentz. I was one of those people because they don't want to have to give a first round pick to the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles for as much playtime as he's going to get if he starts the entire season. And I think this is one of those ones where there can be followed through from the Colts. They win this game. Carson Wentz plays really well. And everybody in that organization that brought Carson Wentz in, including Frank Reich, who's been his biggest supporter, can say, see, this is why we brought this guy here. We have the makings of a championship team within this building this season. Yeah, it's going to be on his shoulders. I want to see him win it. This will be a big one for him. I agree. I'm going to talk about the the, the Mahomes-Herbert matchup. Oh, let's do it. Because I alluded to it earlier. I mean, these arm talents are like next level. Um, the question that our producer put in the rundown, who has the bigger cannon, Mahomes or Herbert? That's such a good question. And I was trying to think of an analogy to how I view it in my head. And here's the only one I came up with. Steph Curry and Klay Thompson are probably the best two three-point shooters in NBA history, mm. and they play on the same team. Like, they're probably equally as good when it comes to three-pointers. Now, Clay's feels more automatic to me in just its approach because it's kind of right to the point, which is how I kind of view Justin Herbert. They both have crazy arm talents, but the pizzazz that Steph Curry, i.e. Uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes, puts on their balls, <laughs> throw angles, the way they do it just has a little bit more pizzazz to it. So I think they're both equally great at what they do and their arm talent. But just the razzle-dazzle of Patrick Mahomes, I kind of give the nod to him. Don't know if that makes sense. Don't know if that's accurate. That's just how my mind's eye sees it, so I'm just going to explain it that way. But I am excited about this matchup. The Chiefs defense has been doing the majority – or not the majority, but more work than we're used to seeing them do for the, for the Kansas City team. Them going against Herbert in the division and being able to maintain that, I feel like will tell us probably the most about this NFL season, at least as it pertains to the AFC. Because if the Chiefs defense can deliver against Justin Herbert the way that they have been, I think that will send the message to the entire league to say, oh, yeah, no, no, no. When it comes to the AFC, this is the Chiefs conference to lose, and they will likely represent them in the Super Bowl. All right, Joe, we got to stop right now because we got a special guest coming in to the Tom and Hawk football show. No stranger to the Tomahawk crew, but you may know him from SMU, Sam Houston State, the Arizona Cardinals. Pardon this Detroit interruption, Lions. but we're going to have to take a quick break. And when we come back, well, Hawk is still going to be listing all of the teams that our special guest has played for.
the Chicago Bears, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the New York Jets, the Philadelphia Eagles, Houston Texans, or Hartford Colonials. But that's not to be confused with his brother, the former quarterback of the Cleveland Browns, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Jacksonville Jaguars, <laughs> New Orleans Saints, Atlanta Falcons, the Saints again, and the <laughs> Dallas Cowboys, because that would be Luke McCown. And that is not our guest. Our guest is the one, the only Josh McCown. Josh, what's up, man? Welcome to the Tom and Hawk football show. Please notice the rebrand. How are you doing, my friend? <laughs> I, I, I did notice the rebrand and I'm I'm still getting used okay. to it. So I'll just I won't reply just yet. Um but if we're <laughs> if we're stopping for you know a commercial break, I think U-Haul is the one you want there for that that segment because there's a lot of moving going on. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, there's been a lot of moving during your NFL career. Now you are firmly planted in NFL retirement and enjoying some mm. coaching of your own. Tell us what you've been up to and uh, who you got coaching up right now. Yeah, uh, I had a chance to to spend the season this year coaching up my my son's high school team, coaching the wide receivers actually. Mm. Um, oh. just you know, dr- drawing on my inner hawk mm. to yeah. kind of get, try to get these guys right. Um, one son played quarterback; he was a senior. The other son played uh receiver and safety and um mm. and we had a really fun year great great group of guys coaches and players and uh it was just a a, a really cool thing to be a part of and um as you guys know man team is team whether you're doing it in high school college or pro and trying to get a group you know to come together and accomplish something is is what i enjoy being a part of and so um it was special i'm very thankful they let me be a part of it and then when you add in uh the value of being able to coach your kids and yeah. Uh, watch one son throw touchdowns to the other son that stuff's cool so yeah a lot of fun that's what that's what we were up to this fall uh seems like your coaching career has really plummeted because uh last time we heard from you you were interviewing for a head coaching <laughs> position in the nfl and now you are a lowly receivers coach on the high school game and so i think it would only make sense for us since you were the closest thing to a player coach in the nfl and we have you on our show um if we play maybe a little bit of a game with you the king of coaches the ruler of all plays and we're going to call this game if you were head coach <laughs> i love it all right so josh check it out the the rules are very very simple we'll provide you with a topical nfl scenario and you have to let us know what you would do as the coach uh if you were the head coach <laughs> and to make this a little more interesting you also have to guess which team you think we're talking about so are you ready to go my friend Let's do it. All right. Uh, first scenario we've got for you. You're the head coach of a team who's about to face Patrick Mahomes and the surging mm, Kansas good. City Chiefs defense. Would you coach? Send your team out before the game and prematurely stomp and celebrate and dance on the other team's logo in the middle of the field before the game has even started. This is good. This is good. And, uh, this is you started me off with an easy one. I would say no He's to that thinking one. About it. I would say no. That's not a good idea. Um, Ooh, got to defend your answer. Yeah, uh, I think going out and stomping on a logo uh, before you play anybody um, is setting yourself up for you know uh, disappointment, and uh, and I think you better feel really good mm. about your team. Oh yeah, uh, to do so, and um, so. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, and I, maybe they feel good about their team, you know, maybe. in Vegas and that's, a, that's all right, you know? Yeah. Uh, but, um, but I'm not going to do that. 
against you do that when when you're playing against Josh McCallum. You send everybody out there, the trainers, you send everybody. Y'all go dance on that logo because we're gonna trash this dude today. You know what I mean? But when you're playing against Patrick Mahomes, you 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 know you you it's not you want him to come in uh, overconfident. You you offer to you know send a limo to the to the hotel, make it nice for him. Maybe he'll you know be overconfident and, and lay an egg. But you don't stop on the. No. Yeah, not a not a, not against the Chiefs. In 2016, when we all played together in Cleveland, I mean, the opposing team could have came and danced on our logo. They could have pulled the main vein out and took a piss right on our logo, and it wouldn't <laughs> matter. We still were going to lose. That was that was that was the fact of the matter. I I think a few of our guys might have been jumping with them on the logo. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? They were jumping, jumping on their own logo. Hawk, what are you doing? Get get over here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. You're on our team. Yeah, but I don't know. He's <laughs> like, yeah, man, but we got to figure this out. That looks like they're having a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, no yeah, doubt. At least let's have a good time here. <laughs> yeah. All right, so we're setting Josh up pretty good here. I mean, he might end up really just tackling head coach in the NFL right after this interview. We're going to set you up. Your phone is going to be blowing up after you come off of this show, Josh. All right, next scenario. If you were the coach of a bad team um, and you were losing to Aaron Rodgers by two scores – in the fourth quarter, and you had a fourth in inches, would you punt it away to give Aaron Rodgers a long field so he could then eat up eight minutes plus off the clock and ice the game? Or, you know, go for it and have a slight chance of maybe actually winning the football game? Yeah. Uh, you know, here, here's what I, I would say. More than anything, regardless of the scenario and who the other quarterback is, I have a young quarterback who I'm trying to show confidence in. I'm going to go for it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go for it to let that kid know we believe in you. Mm. You're the future. Mm. We feel good about you, you know. And um, the game was – you're right. It was getting away from him. Um, but uh, but I think in that scenario, you got to go for it um, just because – and then obviously uh, Aaron Rodgers notwithstanding, like – you, you kick the ball back to that dude. He's gonna he's gonna manage the clock and and end the game. Um, but I think it's more about who we have than who we're facing. Oh, I like that. And and the belief in what we're doing versus who we're facing. And I think with a young quarterback, uh, we've kind of had some uncertainty all year. Um, you know, keep your foot on the gas and and you know show that even if you don't get it, it's like man, I'm going down with my guy. I'm going down showing him that we believe in him. And I think he's carrying that into the next week of preparation going. These dudes really – they really believe. They put their money where their mouth is. They really believe, and they did it in game. So I think that's what it's about more than anything. I love it. Josh McCown, too too risky of a coach. Uh, another strike but against on, him for his head coaching resume. Always wants to go for it. I mean, he, he really – the cliches he was dropping, he really is ready for this, man. I mean, you go down with your guy, you keep your foot on the gas – if that didn't sound like a, a, a post-game press conference, I don't know what did. I do want to ask this question, though, because this is kind of a debate um, that I, I will, will try not to get too far into. But there's this whole thing, and it's happened a couple of times. I think it happened with the Ravens and the Steelers this past week where you're, where you're down by multiple scores. You know you need at least one two-point conversion. After the first touchdown, we've seen teams just go for two in that moment instead of kick the field goal first and then get the two-point conversion when you need it, if you get the second score? Do you have a philosophy to that? Or are you just like, eh, not worried about it right now? Yeah. Um, well, I, I worked on you know, foot on the gas in the mirror this morning, so um, so I haven't worked on this one. But yeah, that was I, really what you, you I would say, on. I would say uh, <laughs> just if you think about from a – and, you know, I'm going to say it, and you guys are going to – but, like, from an analytics standpoint, like – 
the tries at two uh-huh. or is like go ahead and try and for two both times is a better probably a better probability um right so uh so i i think you go i think you go for two i i agree with i agree earlier. with those situations because i think earlier yeah um because you give yourself more flexibility um mm-hmm. you know down towards the end of the game depending on what the the score gap is i couldn't remember that one in the steelers game yeah so i would say the score if the score gap is 15 you're down 15 you score a touchdown yeah. And you know you need at least a field goal, yeah, and a two point conversion. Yeah, so so to me, then in in that situation, uh, I would I would say if you're down if you're down fifteen, you you kick because you you've got to keep hope alive. Thank you. Because now that's it. You know, if you're down if you're down fifteen, there's nothing to play for. I, I think we had this scenario or something similar to it, Hawk against maybe the Titans or one of the one of the mm-hmm. years we were there in Cleveland, and, and I remember talking to the analytic guy about it. And he was talking to me about that. And if the gap's 15 to me, like you got to keep belief and hope in the, in the, the reason to play the final minute, because if, yes. <laughs> if you're down, if you're down nine, it's what's the point. Um, yeah. so, uh, because the increased probability of, of scoring on siding and getting it back for a field goal, like that's not happening. So, um, so yeah, I would, I would say you kick it because you got to play the game to the, four, to the, to the, you know, final, final bell cliche. So I think in the, the, the scenarios we've seen this past weekend, both the Steelers and the Ravens, they both elected to go for two first. And Harbaugh explained it in a post game, saying, well, wouldn't you want to know what you need earlier as possible? And a lot of the people, you know, and again, I'm, I love analytics. So I, I don't like to call other people analytics people. I think it's an incredible tool that you use. But I'm like, well, I don't think they're taking into effect that you have to have your defense out there to go stop somebody. And players feel that. There's certain people that don't believe in momentum. And I'm like, we're not robots. We are humans. If you've ever been in a locker room, you know that. And it's like your defense has to believe that you can still win the game. And when you don't get it, it basically kind of there's, there's, there's people that don't, aren't given that extra umph because they're like the, the likelihood of us winning this game is now lower. That's 100 percent right. But I think with that being said, you're going to need a two point conversion at any point to win the game. So whether it happens on the first touchdown or the second touchdown, you have to make a two-point conversion. So if you go the first time and you make it, then you get an opportunity to go for it again and win it right there, and you can play momentum in even further. Because if you scored a touchdown, a two-point conversion, your defense gets a stop, and you go down and get a touchdown, you got to feel like all the momentum's on your side, and your opportunity to score a two-point conversion right there and win it is really, really good. If you kick it right there, you kind of lose a little bit of the momentum versus going for two and then making it. And so I think the momentum argument works on the side of going for two on the first touchdown also because of the impact that it has on your team when you do go for two right off the bat and you make it. Yeah, but I would say this, Joe, what you're doing to the opponent also, like if you kick it, the, now they you you both you have momentum. Your defense is going out there, as Hawk said, with something to play for. And one score game. that team, yep. we've been on that where you got to you, you're going out there going, we got to get a first down, or, or we're going to lose the game, or or we're give, we're kicking the ball back to them, and and mm-hmm. you know they could go score and and you know have a chance to win the game or tie the game up. So I think it works, you know, twofold because if you miss, they, they, then now the defense is jogging out there going. We can't. It doesn't matter if we stop them. We still got to score twice uh, to win the game, and they're they're jogging out there with confidence. So I think it's both as far as you you hurt them and stress them, as well as give yourself confidence towards the end of the game. So I I get what you're saying, and if you you nailed it, if you got some good two point plays, then then go for it. But I think you you continue mm-hmm. to put pressure on them to go out and do the right thing when you kick them the ball, 
and and you're going to give yourself another chance to at least possess it and go score. I love Josh being on here. I guess that's the only reason I wouldn't go for two on the first try is because if I only had one really good two-point conversion play, then I would want to save it for the second time where you get an opportunity right. to go into overtime where you've built a lot of momentum scoring twice in a row. If you were a rookie NFL head coach on a tough team, you guys lose on Thursday night, and then you snuck away from the team and didn't fly home with the team, you were caught uh, drunk in a bar doing some inappropriate things, how long would you wait? How many weeks? This is a question of a number of weeks. Would you wait before you call your assistant coaches losers and get into shouting matches with your players? Hypothetically, I would have, you know, uh, I would have probably made sure they were at the bar with me, you know. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe they would have prevented you from making bad decisions at that bar when under the influence. Wingmen. Correct. Yeah. You need some wingmen. Um, 53 wingmen. Yeah. I, you stay with your team, man. Golly. That's a hard one. I've never heard in all my years of football a coach not going back on the team plane. Yeah, that's wild, bro. That's a great question for Josh because he's got that that long resume that you listed, including – uh, USFL, I think that's what no, it was, USFL. teams. And Hawks got C, whatever it was, UFL, USFL, whatever it is. Um, when you, is. I'm sure you guys bust certain places. Have you ever heard of a head coach not – I've trained places. Trained. Riding the bus or the team plane no. home with the team after a game? No. Or the train? And I just – I think especially when you're fighting it out in a tough season and you're trying to build something, I don't know. Mm. Leadership is a contact sport. Proximity yeah. matters. Like you got to be around your dudes all the time and – like that's just mm. it, 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 uh, I, to me, it's the wrong message. Yeah. And then, you know, all this other stuff is what it is. Yeah. We, I mean, that's a lot of, it's a lot of experience in the, in the professional ranks and literally another person who said they've never seen it. All right. Moving on. So if you were a coach of a terrible team, um, losing by multiple scores to a Red Heart Chargers team with a young stallion at quarterback by the name of Justin Herbert, while you had a backup quarterback in your game, would you run one of the most convoluted trick plays you've ever imagined in your brain? <laughs> uh, I, just for the sake of it being convoluted, I'd probably run it because that is a that's a heck of a okay. trick play if it's convoluted. Um, you know, you, you, well, you said it though too. If you have your backup quarterback in, you know, trick plays aren't aren't you know aren't the worst thing in the world but i don't know no, uh true. if it's con if it's convoluted i'm staying away from it anything convoluted i'm staying away from it man you are you're a genius you are, i mean you've passed this game with flying colors your phone's about to be ringing off the hook tell your high school boys to get you know get all the time they can in with you now because you're going to be off the market here very soon cannot wait after this gets out that's right josh we love you brother we appreciate you uh thank you so much for for joining us here on the tom and hawk football show my friend Love you guys, man. Thanks for having me on. All right, my guy. Thanks, Josh. All right, Joe, any final thoughts? Yeah, my final thoughts are ah, the Houston Texans, they missed a golden opportunity to land one of the greatest head coaching candidates in history in Josh McCown. He had great hair, he had great takes, and he had great cliches, which are the three most important things to being successful as a head coach in the NFL. Sorry, Houston Texans, you guys would be undefeated right now if Coach McCown was wearing the headset. I couldn't agree more, my friend. All right, that does it for today's episode of Tom and Hawk. Make sure you tune in again next week. And don't forget to add the Tom and Hawk football show flash briefing in your Alexa app. And then tell Alexa, play my flash briefing to hear the Monday minicast through your Echo device. Joe, take us out. 
Joe Hawk yourself. <laughs>